Did somebody say the last episode of season one? Not tonight. You're not on the list. Hello, I'm Conor McLoon and welcome to the final episode of season one of the You're Not On The List podcast produced for Rewind That Track. From DJs to festival organisers, we take a look at what people have witnessed backstage, on stage and everything in between. Now, if this is the first time listening to the podcast, thank you very much for checking us out. We've recently had a huge influx of subscribers, so thanks very much for that. And if you haven't already, can you go onto whatever streaming platform you're listening on and hit that subscribe button? It means you won't miss out on the recap of season one, 20 episodes, and season two when we return. Right, on with the podcast. My guest this week is a high-energy, high-octane bassline producer from Doncaster. He's had releases on the likes of UKF, Crewcast, featured on Beatport Top 10 releases, played the likes of Boardmasters, Bassfest, it's Callum McDonald, aka Kajama. During this episode, we discuss performing sober, falling off of stages at shows, getting his first DJ gig booking from Jamie Duggan before knowing how to use CDJs, and his secret love for techno. My guest this week is a high energy, high octane bassline producer from Doncaster. He's had releases on the likes of UKF, Crewcast, featured on Beatport Top 10 releases, played the likes of Boardmasters, Bass Fest. It's Callum McDonald, aka Kajama. Good evening, mate. How are you doing? Good evening. I am absolutely roasting. It is, <laughs> it's, it is. <laughs> it's a warm evening, isn't it? We wanted this week of heatwave. And um, to be fair, I could have done with it on the bank holiday weekend. Um, it wasn't It wasn't necessarily as, as hot as what everyone wanted with all the uh, Reading festivals, Leeds festivals, Greenfields, every other event that was going on there. But it's making up for it this week. Yeah, it seemed to be perfectly timed, didn't it? Like cold it did. weather and hot, sweaty raves. It did. Perfect what combination, did you, mate. What did you do for the uh, bank holiday? Uh, I oh, I played. So I actually I didn't play at Leeds Fest, but I did roll through to Leeds Fest. I ended up picking um, uh, Dark Sea and Window Kid up because they were performing there. Nice. And, um, uh, it, we had <laughs> we we had to shove them in a very very small TT because that's what I drive. Uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> you had to get what window kids like six foot something, shove him cr- absolutely cramming in, uh taking to Leeds first. And then after we played in uh actual Leeds City Centre for distortion. And then the next day, uh I ended up getting a little bit too drunk at uh, pre-drinks and didn't make it to town. Really? That um, level? That level of drunk <laughs> where you're you'll be having to be put to bed and sorted yeah. out uh, before you make it out. <laughs> I say put to bed. I, I don't even think I made it upstairs. If I'm completely honest, right? No way. Do you think that's because you were on uh, driving duties, like being sober for bank holiday weekend? You were like, right, I'm making up for this, making up for lost time. Probably. Yeah, I actually played in Manchester the day before, and I took my entire rider home and swigged it all in about an hourish. Uh, oh, really? My, that's my, what it is then. <laughs> might have that's contributed. I can't. Yeah, lie. definitely got. Yeah, you can't waste a rider, mate. Can't waste a rider. You've, uh, <laughs> is that is that a standard for you? Like you, uh, you don't normally manage to finish off the rider, is it? Like you're you're, you're conserving the alcohol there, waste not, want not. You're taking it home. To be fair, mate, I, I quite like I, I like driving to a lot of raves. So yeah. like when I get yeah yeah when I get there, I'm like, where's the Red Bull? And I just yeah. I'm constantly down in the Red Bull. I mean, my Apple Watch booted off at me the other day because my heart rate my heart rate uh reached like 198 bpm jesus like, mm, christ i'm, I'm okay. i might uh, have to calm down a little bit but yeah yeah no to be fair i, I have a you know a swig or two 
uh, just to mellow out. But apart from that, yeah, I just I just like driving everywhere. I don't know. That's why. sick. I didn't. Really, I don't know. I don't really know too many people that will uh, like like would do that. Um, so that's yeah, yeah that's sick. Well, I, mean, I mean, a like, lot of people, a lot of people actually say that like they can't DJ sober. I'm the complete opposite. I can't do it drunk. I hate it. I stare in and I'm like, oh, what, am I messing up or? Really? That's really interesting because, you know, a lot of people like when they're obviously first starting out DJing and we'll get onto this in a second, but like, you know, like they might, uh, they might jump on decks or a little bit, be a bit rowdy at like an afters or like the first time they're sort of DJing is like, they might get a bit bolshy or like go on their mate's decks and stuff like that. And they <laughs> and they get drunk and stuff like that. And there have been like many times of like famous YouTube videos and famous examples where like DJs have been, had one too many drinks and you're listening back to a mix and like, especially on boiler room sets or stuff like that. The famous yep. set that I can probably think of is like a scream when he got really, really drunk at Red Bull Music academy one there's like a set from a boiler room set from like 2013 or 14 but like at the end of the set they were basically like turning him off and he like picked up the cdj and threw it into the crowd oh, and was like he's kicking <laughs> off of it so there's there's a couple of famous sets of like djs where they've maybe had one too many drinks or stuff like that um but that's interesting that you're like i, I mean it's great yeah and it makes sense like absolutely like i suppose it, if you yeah. see it as like a job and obviously if you see it as your career and stuff like that and you're like i've got a job to do want to keep my head square and want to keep my head straight like let's let's be uh let's be sober for I mean, it has that always been another, the way yeah yeah I, I was actually just about to say like another reason why i do it is because if i enjoy it and i think you know what that was sick and i'm sober and everyone in the crowd's like absolutely fucked up i'm just like well imagine how good it'll be for them yeah like, if, if they're mate. absolutely off it so like i don't know it's it's just one of them i guess do you know what I think it is as well? I think a lot of the times it comes down to someone's, um, like they might not feel confident enough unless they've had a drink or they might not feel like sort of like they've got the, uh, they've got like, yeah, they just might not feel confident enough if they haven't had a drink. And obviously if you do have that confidence there and you know, you're like, right, you know what? I'm sick. I've got my set planned out. I can be fine. I haven't got like nerves or that. Like, do you get nervous from it when you're still, when you're playing? To, to begin with, I mean, I got nervous for pretty much every single show. Mm. Recently... Uh, I mean, I was nervous to come back after lockdown, but I, it was only like a very small show that I played the first rave back. It was still like a midnight, you know, as soon as all the restrictions are, I was super buzzing with that. But like, I was quite happy that it was quite a calm one because my nerves were a little bit settled. But as I've been playing more, I've obviously got more practice and I'm a, I'm a, I tell you something, I'm a lot, lot more relaxed. That's sick. I did get nervous for Broadmasters though. <laughs> Yeah, was, uh, so it was, uh, yeah. Oh. I was going to get onto this uh, later, um, but one thing I was just going to bring up because I said at the start, like a, I said, baseline producer and DJ, and I don't know, like, what would you, what would you class yourself as? Would you, would you say like baseline? I know some people for like just like bass music because they don't necessarily want to like put themselves yeah. to a genre. I know, like, what would you? Um, Skepsis uh, is bouncing around with the names. Zero also bounces around with the names. I'd just say UK bass. Because yeah. it all seems to come together. Like we're obviously we're all UK producers. It's bass, <laughs> obviously. Um, but yeah, now UK bass seems to fit pretty well. I think. Yeah, UK bass. Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty all encompassing for um, you boys. Like you said, there. You mentioned Scott Skepsis, who's a who's a UK bass producer. Zero, who's a UK bass producer and a and a DJ and stuff like that as well. So okay, that's good. That's good to know that that's what you are sort of like label as because it's always interesting to see what sort of like artists like you you people might perceive and they might like you might appear in certain playlists on Spotify. You might appear on like certain albums and stuff like that. But it's always interesting to see like straight from the horse's mouth type thing what somebody like it's, perceives. Yeah, their sort it's of, like, definitely um, it's definitely straight away from that original old school quote unquote baseline sound yeah 
Definitely. Fantastic. So sort of to throw it all the way back to the start, um, what were your sort of like earliest experiences with music and like your earliest sort of like, if you're listening to like, what's the first albums you sort of remember like buying or being bought or like the first events you went to or remember like um, really like in- engaging or interacting with music? Yeah. So when I was, well, going back when I was like five years old-ish, um, I was into like really uh, hard like clubland extreme hardcore all that kind of thing happy like, hardcore sort of like yeah, yeah, yeah i remember yeah, clubland yeah. tv sort of like you got literally the, yeah. I, do you know what i remember from it is uh it was one of the only albums that always had like well because i was a young lad like semi-naked <laughs> semi-naked girls in front. <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> remember seeing like all of the albums in the store and thinking like that's a clubland tv like album yeah. or that's a clubland being like, like you said like five or six or seven years old thinking there's a semi-naked woman on the front of that album so that's yeah, got my attention it, Mommy, daddy, can you buy that yeah. for me, please? <laughs> Just really into bounce by the ounce, sort of like wig and peer proper. Uh, okay, sick. So were you in it for like the high energy? Like that's the sort of like what drew you yeah, to it? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I yeah, I always absolutely loved it. Like, especially, well, like you say, the happy hardcore stuff, the melodies that came out of that just like literally ugh, carried me through my younger years. But there was a CD that I actually stole from my dad that had uh, Rip Groove by Double 99 on, which was like, obviously the most I want the most iconic classic, yeah. yeah speed carriage song like incredible and uh it was just like track number eight and that's all I remembered it as I never knew what it was called I'd never actually been to any sort of shows or festivals all the way up until 2017 when I went to Fear Fest um in Sheffield I heard it played by I believe it was DJ EZ and I was just looking like it's the tune I remember from like, you know, eight, nine years old. And I yeah. was absolutely buzzing, mate. Um, yeah. So I managed to find that. And well, I mean, like I say, that was my first festival experience. I was going around all the stages and I'd never heard of Baseline or Speed Garage. Obviously I knew like I'd heard songs from it, but I'd never knew what the genre was. I back then was making Deep House, Future House. I started producing in 2015. Um, so I, I was not in that scene at all. And I've obviously gone to this rave thinking, what the fuck is this? Like, oh, I love this. And um, I can remember one of the most iconic moments was me being uh, of one of the smallest stages and absolutely loving every single tune that this guy was playing. I looked up and I've obviously seen him flashing lights, like Notion. Okay. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've obviously like gone to Google him and stuff and the beginning of 2018 i started the transition to uh baseline music you know well uk based music and uh yeah it all just sort of spiraled out from there really but yeah the early early days before bass i was very much a oliver heldon's charmy edm boy kind of kind of guy watching all the ultra music festivals every year you know just thinking one day you know i'll I'll do something like that. What was it that um, spurred you on to making music originally? Like, did you study it at a school or like a college or anything like that at all, music production? Or was it literally something outside of like, outside of your education that you were doing like as a hobby that sort of then transgressed? It was, um, yeah, it was outside of the education. So I I went to college for game development (laughs) and I hated it. 
So I ended up dropping out after like three months. I ended up getting an apprenticeship because it's some broadband place. And they basically put me on a night shift. I was 16. They put me on a night shift on my own, seven till seven. And I was like, well, what, you know, what do I do? I'm just sort of like thinking of things to do. And obviously I see FL Studio and I'm like, oh, screw it. I, you know, I'll, I'll download it, see what it's about. Pushing some buttons, download massive, you know. And then to be fair, I've just sort of spiraled from there. It, what, what's really weird is I never ended up watching tutorials on how to make this sound, how to make this sound or whatever. I just sort of looked on forums, realized that I need, you know, sample packs for kicks and stuff. And I just click and dragged everything, twiddled some knobs and, you know, made noises. So FL Studio is Fruity Loop Studio, which is like a, mu- a music yeah. production thing on, on basically on your computer. Um, Massive is like a, a, a an electronic synthesizer that's within sort of like a, as a preset and as a plugin within the program. Um, so you literally was just out of sort of like, you were like, oh God, I don't like this job. I want to, uh, I, I want something to be creative outside of it dabbled around with that and then um what was it that sort of drew you then to um to producing originally like that sort of deep house future house sort of type thing as opposed to sort of like any other type of music was it just that that's what you'd listen to like as a progression and you were like i just want to make this yeah yeah it was literally i was just rating all the stuff that was coming out at the time and uh i ended up seeing well it's like i mentioned i was watching all the ultra music festivals i saw uh chammy um play one of one of the shows and i can't remember which one it was but like i was just mesmerized by the entire set and that was like the phase when he was making the future house music so i was like you know i'll you know make some stuff eventually mm-hmm. when i think it's good enough i might end up sending it or whatever and uh uh, never happened. Yeah, I mean, there might be a, there might be a, uh, there might be a, 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 like you never know in the future. Like you never know collaborations between artists and collaborations between bits and pieces. There's still, there's that, still that is that is my dream. My dream to, to collaborate, collaborate with Charmy. Yes. No way. Uh, it's good. It's on the podcast now. You put it out into the ether. It's there. It's, uh, <laughs> it could potentially be going out in the future. Coming from a town with no underground nightclubs could stop the progress of upcoming DJs. I spoke to Callum about the influence Doncaster had on him and about getting booked to DJ before it ever played on CDJs. Um, one thing, because obviously Ultra Music Festival is like massive, massive, big American music festival. Uh, yeah. You yourself are a Doncaster lad. Um, has Doncaster, or do you think the area has ever sort of like, because I've never been out in Doncaster, I don't really know the area that well. Are there like any sort of like, big nightclubs there or are there sort of like any musical influences or any artists or DJs that you know yourself like from any sort of genre from Donny? No. No to all Literally. I mean, I, I do like the place. I can't lie, but yeah, there's there's nothing here, unfortunately. There's a couple, well, there's like a couple of all right clubs, um, but it's mainly just the commercial Moonbaton r&b hip-hop all that kind of stuff yeah there's no real there's no real scene for and well and especially any of my genre there's no real scene in doncaster for it i mean to be fair sheffield's around the corner so even if someone's born in doncaster and they have a love for bass baseline whatever you know tank is in sheffield that's like one of the most iconic venues in the UK for this kind of music. They just go there. It's half an hour away. Yeah. So that is right on your doorstep. Like, yeah, really, really, really close. So what I would link with there is like, so say if you didn't have those like early influences like on your, 
on your uh, on your door. You didn't necessarily have like a club that was on your doorstep. I mean, like half an hour is absolutely like sort of fine in it if to play at. What was sort of like your first events that you were playing at then? Like sort of the, the like you've you've been producing music there. Um, you were producing on Fru- uh, Fruity Loops and obviously producing like the, the Future House bits. Went to that festival, saw this music, saw that obviously that uh, Rip Groove Double Ninety Nine. Like heard the tunes, saw Notion playing. We're like, right, this is a bit of me now. I want bassline. I want that bass music. What was sort of like the first then next steps where you're like, right, I want to get bookings here or I want to be producing here. Like what were the, like the, the earliest gigs that you sort of remember playing out as well? I just remember um, joining Langerland, which was, uh, was a, obviously a massive group on Facebook. Uh, all of the bass music heads, especially back in 2018, it was really popping. Like that was the place to be for UK bass. I just seen, uh, I remember one of the early doors as a producer called New Bass. He kept, he kept recording clips, like he kept making stuff, recording clips, and then just sending these clips in for like, oh, I've just made this, just made this, just made this. And gradually each one got bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, so I was like, you know, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give, I'll give that a go. But I didn't record my clips. I had uh, SoundCloud links because I just put them up on SoundCloud. And I was like, oh, I've just released this. I've just released this. And eventually people did start sort of latching on a little bit. And uh, I remember one uh, who's now one of my really good mates, um, Cryphon, who's also another uh, UK-based producer. He was playing at Tank. I can't remember when it was. It was early 2018. And uh, I just thought, you know, I'd roll through. It'd be, I'd have the in boot in the DJ booth experience and I'll be like, you know, buzzing. And I actually, he ended up one of, uh, playing one of my tunes. It was like from that moment on, like hearing one of my songs in a club, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Um, kept releasing. It's li- literally, yeah, it's just been sort of consistently releasing at the start of 2018 to really make an impact. And then eventually I get a message from the absolute God that is Jamie Duggan, um, hold tight Jamie Duggan every single time um, asking if I want to play at Tank and that was my first ever set your first ever set was at Tank nightclub like you said there for people that are into UK based music and uh, if you're from Sheffield and sort of anyone that's sort of up north Tank is very well known like Sheffield obviously was known for uh, niche nightclub like one of the home of Baseline Jamie Duggan uh, probably one of the forefathers and founding fathers of uh, that 4x4 sound Baseline sound so for Jamie to hit up those DMs and go do you want to play at, uh, yep. Tank and him jamming you as well has got to be a yeah. has got to be a very nice feeling for you indeed, mate. So uh, yeah, first set went well. Honestly, I could have cried, could have cried. Uh, but well, it's it's quite it's quite funny on the way on the way to the set. I'd never touched some CDJs before, which is obviously the equipment that's in clubs. Yeah, like every single club from down the UK never touched one before. Well, and you were going um, to the set at this point, like you you didn't practice or anything beforehand, did you? <laughs> No, <laughs> it's no, gonna be yeah, so like, funny if anybody. Uh, yeah, if Jamie, if you if you hear this, I'm sorry. Uh, you put all your faith in me. Uh, yeah. Oh, but um, yeah. Uh, so I was on the way there. I was watching YouTube tutorials on like what each button does in the car uh, on the way to the set. Yeah, that is yeah. unreal. That is and, absolutely um, unreal. Yeah, and I was I was concentrating more on like not fucking up. I mean, obviously, nowadays I concentrate on like, you know, putting on a show, putting on a performance, you know, making it the best it can be. But like, I mean, I was on after Danny T, who's an iconic, he's massive, absolutely huge. Like everyone knows Danny T. So this club was packed and I've come on after him to a packed club. Nobody knows who I am. And I'm just like, okay, let's just get through this. And if I, if I do all right, you know, 
we'll see what happens. But yeah, for, literally from then on, I mean, he asked, he asked for me, um, he asked for me back. I think it was the month after or two months after that. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, I've nailed, I've nailed that. And yeah, it's just sort of spiraled out from there. But yeah, like Jamie Duggan and, you know, Corrupt, who's also, uh, you know, another guy who helps run the events at Tank. Um, he, he was a huge, huge impact. And I believe put uh, me on Jamie's radar to actually, you know, end up getting that tank book in. But everyone who sort of like put their faith in the early doors, like I owe, I owe, I owe so much to him. It's incredible. That is unreal, mate. Um, yeah, I mean, big shouts to them. Were you sort of practicing, had you DJed like on um, controllers and stuff then? Uh, I did Before like, like the CDJs? Of- yeah, like a couple of house parties. Yeah, you know, with, so it's just uh, interesting that obviously he heard your music and was like, cool, do you want to come play? And it's like, normally obviously it's very rare to get it that way around, isn't it? Like you normally get people DJing and then they start to produce and then they like, will then get the bookings that way. But obviously your music stood out to him so much that he was like, yeah, yeah, cool. like, yeah of course he could probably DJ. Do you want to come <laughs> play? And you're like, yeah, obviously it's like one of those things that you go like, yes, say yes, and then learn how to do yeah. it afterwards. But you're like, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, of course I'll come play Tank. And then you're like, luckily luckily it did pay off but yeah that's a lot of um it's interesting actually that's a lot of uh a lot of people actually come to me and say do you produce to perform or do you perform to produce and if you was to like give one up or whatever but for for me there is literally no better feeling than stepping on a stage Hmm. i produce a lot of people will say you know they perform to produce so they can keep making music keep releasing music if i you know was given the opportunity to obviously you know be the biggest dj in the world and never make a tune again without a heartbeat there's there's no better feeling than you know like say stepping on stage seeing everyone just having the time of their lives because of you like oh so yeah, good. mate, and like so you said, where, where you don't drink and stuff like that as well, you're remembering the whole thing as well, and you're getting to experience yeah. it, and you're not getting you're not getting clouded judgment or anything like that. So that is a yeah, you're just taking it all on board and absorbing it, which exactly. is fantastic. Um, has there ever been any sort of like fuck ups or mess ups while you've been playing live, like over the over the years that you that can sort of come to head or come to mind? Actually, one's literally just popped into my head right now. There was a show uh, at Lab Eleven in Birmingham. And um, I wasn't even playing at the time. I'm pretty sure I'd already played my set and I was just sticking around. And uh, I think it was actually uh, DJQ back to back Jamie Duggan and they, they were absolutely shelling it. And it was like a beach themed party. So there were these beach balls flying everywhere. And one of them flew to the stage and, and like came to me, size of the stage. I picked it up. I was like, yeah, I'm going to fucking love this right into the crowd. You know, they're going to absolutely love it. So I picked it up and uh, I've waited for the build of this tune. It's building and then it comes to drop and I run forward to launch this ball into a crowd and I take one step too far and I fall off stage. Um, <laughs> it's honestly, it's terrible. I didn't. And the worst thing about it is I didn't even make it to the crowd. I hit the barrier that, <laughs> oh no, I, bro, I, I literally hit the barrier that the crowd was like, hang it on. Oh, no, it was just an absolute shambles. Absolute oh, shambles. Oh no. And did the ball, like, did you drop the ball? Like, was there any sort of cushioning from this like inflatable <laughs> ball? Or you it went flying. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh mate, that's jokes. That's, did they say anything to you afterwards, like Jamie or uh, Kirito? Uh, luckily, I don't think they saw it, but I mean, someone's definitely got it on video because I saw a couple of lights, like you know, in the distance. Yeah. But... Oh, that should. I mean, not laughing at your misfortune there, but you're. It's funny. It's funny. <laughs> It'd be funny if you did because that. I mean, that would be funny in like any sort of uh, situation. But I'm surprised that hasn't been shared on like Lingo Land or obviously oh, won't have now because it wouldn't been lie. a while ago. But yeah, I'd love to see the video if any if anybody's got it. I'd, I love. Oh, I would have loved to because obviously Jamie's like yeah, like DJ and imagine him looking down thinking, oh yeah, there's that lad like, I brought through. Like I gave him his first chance to tank. He <laughs> yes. showed it. Done well. Two years on. Oh, there he is. He's just <laughs> face planted the face planted the barrier with a beach ball. <laughs> it's going well. It's going well for him. It's going well. Yeah, yeah, perfect, mate. Couldn't ask for anything uh-huh. better. Well, do you yeah. know what though? that's I mean, probably but- a little bit better than than if you were actually DJing live like and there's been an, a there's been a couple of mess ups like, at least that was like all by proxy embarrassment yeah. embarrassment by proxy or like yeah they're all looking at these guys thinking what's this guy doing <laughs> like it's just headbutting the headbutting the barrier <laughs> oh no I, yeah I wouldn't have liked to have been uh, actually playing but I mean there was another one uh, there was a big back to back to back to back with me uh, sketches dark like all of the crewcast boys. Uh, the big crew cast collective yeah I, th- I believe it was the second tune i played and uh i've you know ended up playing it and everyone's going absolutely nuts it's just dropped and uh darksy is punching my right arm um just like you know what is this tune kind of thing and um and i've had my hand over the deck and my arm's gone flying down it's hit the cue button and everything's gone silent <laughs> and I've gone to like just press play again, thinking, you know, it's fine. I'll just play the tune. I only hit pause. I yeah. play the tune. It's obviously gone all the way back to the start. And this tune had like a two minute intro. Oh, no. So not even the rewind. Not even the rewind. No. Just instant rewind. No. Instant yeah. rewind. Just not even the silence. Was Bruce on mic or Window Kid on mic or anything like that that he could sort of uh, save? Window, yes, Window was it. on mic. But, uh, Let's just say we all had a few, well, I say we, I didn't, I was driving, but uh, everyone had a bit too much to drink and he turned around and was like, what's going off then? That's what he said. <laughs> Not even saving it. Not even the showmanship. has gone, what are you doing, boys? And you're like, nah, come on, hype the crowd up. Come on, save me, please. Save me, save me. Oh. For some people, 2021 was the first opportunity to play at music festivals. I spoke to Callum about his festival debut. Um, talking of festivals there, obviously you uh, very recently, very, very recently after, like we said, having a year off, everyone having a year off from events and festivals, recently played Boardmasters and recently played Forbidden Forest. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Forbidden How was it? Forest was huge. Yeah. I mean, uh, to be fair, Boardmasters still to this day, I think, was the best set of my entire life. Absolutely incredible. I mean, the thing is, before lockdown, um, I was never sort of big enough to play festivals. I mean, to be fair, to to a point i still don't think i'm big enough now i don't know why i'm getting stuck on it but um but yeah so like uh, these are the first festivals that i've ever played so i've never sort of like had a break this is this is my first experience and i've got oh mate i gotta say like they're just incredible stupidly good i mean the the thing is i've i i played incredibly early for both of them so i was like you know the second or third dj on or something i'm pretty sure i was the second for both of them actually so like there wasn't really a crowd to begin with, but the last sort of half an hour, mm. 20 minutes of both sets were just so memorable. And I've just uh, basically, I, I, I've had in my head, it's going to be quite dead from the start. So just save all your, you know, your big ones till the end, your bangers till the end, all your unreleased and stuff. And I've uh, basically just sort of sworn by that. And both times, like, 
there's just yeah they've been incredible the best shows of my life like well so far yeah <laughs> mate, uh, what do you think it is then because it's very interesting that uh you you've uh you were like oh, th- these are my like first festivals obviously because like we've had a year of like lockdown and there are some people in the industry not through no fault of their own and through like um finances or through mental health or through other bits and pieces that have obviously had to sort of like their music has dried up or their production and creativity has dried up and bits and pieces like that and we've come out the other side and they might not be producing music anymore might not have dj'd or might have sort of fallen off of like the momentum that they had but um you saying there that obviously like you've this is the first festival bookings that you've had and it's gone the other way that you've you have grown in that through lockdown and what do you think it was then that sort of spurred that on through lockdown or like sort of created yeah. it? Were you just like massive on, on production or were like, was it like new management or sort of like signing to different labels or stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, well, it's like you mentioned earlier, there's been so many people, I mean, obviously I'm not going to name names, but there's been loads of people that have just sort of dropped off. And I, I feel like a lot of it, um, I mean, I, I know a couple um have basically been like oh well screw it you know i'll just pick it up where i left off when all the raves come back it's not how it's gonna work and i've always had that in my head like what if people forget about me and i to be fair or, or only up until like a week or two ago that's exactly what i was thinking like you know what if people forget about me because at the start of 2020 like i thought this you know this is going to be it like i got booked for ministry of sound i've just played print works and you know, I'm having some of the biggest shows of my life. And I was like, you know, this is it. This is the shot that I'm going to get. And then lockdown happened. And I've thought, you know, straight away, that's it. You know, that was my shot. I'm never going to get that shot again. But I don't know. It, it's it's always been one of those cases where I could have that shot again. But I've just got to stay consistent. And, you know, over over the course of lockdown, I mean, especially when lockdown first started, I was making tunes nonstop because I... Yeah. I mean, I still work a full-time job at the minute. A lot of people don't actually know that, but, you know, I'm still Monday, Friday. And back at the start of lockdown, I'd been furloughed for three months. So for a solid for a solid two months, I was just nonstop creating back-to-back, you know, tunes just absolutely flying out of my ass. There was so, so many. And um, that was like just before I got into get like massively into gaming. <laughs> and then that basically took over the rest of lockdown. But uh yeah, constantly being consistent definitely, you know, sort of helped me. Um, and it's 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 also helped me keep my sanity as well because releasing tunes, you know, having the interaction like, oh, this is so so sick, you know, from people reacting to the music, that's you know really helped me sort of stay afloat. And uh, I think one of the reasons why I've not stopped creating, um, yeah, it's 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 just been it's just been a tough one, a really rocky road. I mean, at the start of this year, it was probably the worst time of my life. But, you know, over the past four months, well, four weeks, actually, I've had the best time of my life. Yeah. So you never know what's around the corner. So it's, you've just got to keep sticking, you know, doing what you're doing. And, you know, who knows, one day it might eventually pay off. Yeah, man, that's... um. That's a that's a very nice sentiment, and that's a that's a very yeah. There's been a lot of people that have have uh, have have struggled, and there's a lot of people that have, like you said, not necessarily 
being able to put out content for one reason or another and not being able to keep that momentum during lockdown. It's it's interesting that you, like you said, you had those three months of furlough and you're like, right, let's just smash out, smash out, smash out the content, smash out the content. Then got into gaming uh, massively during lockdown, but then still managed to obviously still have that momentum from the first few months, still have releases, and then was still putting out bits and pieces there. And then, like you said, it's, like, I wasn't aware, I, I wasn't aware that they were the, your um, first two festivals. So that's got to be an incredible experience. Like obviously the crowd has got to be up for it and the crowd's got to be ready because they've 18 months of nothing, like no raves, no outside bits and pieces. And they were some of sort of like the first festivals to come back because obviously a lot of festivals have been pushed back this year, pushed back a year. There was only the ones that really managed to put themselves back to right at the end of August, start of September that could go ahead. So they were sort of like the first ones really that were that were there really. And um, we're recording this full disclosure, like um, first week of September now. So we've got like part life coming up this weekend. And then there's probably only one or two more festivals in the UK before like that's that's like it isn't it done for like the the season really and then it's like yeah oh, right, yeah there's um there's there's not that many i think i've got uh I think it's inside out festival and uh there's another one as well if i can actually remember it um but yeah there's the there's yeah electric woodlands that's it actually that's it yeah um they're gonna be incredible i'm so, i'm so looking forward to them but what is what's the difference you think now that you've played those two festivals? I know it might be because have you have you played any club shows recently as well? Yeah, uh, yeah, I actually played Tank um, on Saturday back at my second home. <laughs> Sick, um, but yeah, more practice that, on the CDJs this time round. Yeah, more, way yeah, more work yeah. practice on the CDJs this time round. <laughs> what sort of the uh, what's the biggest difference you find with a with a, a nightclub crowd versus a festival crowd? Like, are there many differences at all? Uh, festival crowds, they, they do seem to go a lot more like absolutely balls to the wall, mental, insane. They, they just, I think it's because they have so much build up. They've obviously paid a lot for these tickets, somewhere for, you know, three, four day camping. They are there to live and breathe music for however many days. With a club, obviously it's just sort of, you still, I mean, you might have a hotel, but like you're still in your hometown, you're just going out for the night, having a bit of a session and coming back. The, the the difference is is the club shows are a lot more intimate. You will still feel the same amount of energy in a club than a festival. Um, it's different energy, but like it just feels the same. It still feels right. And uh, yeah, I, f- I think the balance is is pretty much perfect. To be fair, when you're not DJing, because obviously you DJ around the UK. Well, one thing I was going to say is, what do you think people will be surprised to find out about like DJing around the UK? Because you've obviously played like a few, like you said, a few shows there. You played down in London, you played in Manchester, you played in in Sheffield, um, and played all over the shop. What do you think people will be surprised to find out about like DJing around the UK? <laughs> well, for one, backstage is not as glamorous as anybody makes it out to be. It's not all you know, strippers. Everyone, no, no. It's just you sat in a green room, you're geeking out about music production to your fellow or the producers, and then you know you might have a drink or two, but and then everyone just goes back to the hotel room after. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, that that's um, and that's pretty much universal up and down the UK. Might be different in America. I've heard stories about America. I want to go out there, you know, test it. But yeah, it's it's very traveling is pretty daunting, um, which I think. It might be might also contribute to one of the reasons why I just like driving. You know, I like going there, doing what I do, and then once, you know, saying hi to everyone and then, you know, just going back home basically. Um, I just it's I find that a lot more comfortable, but the big shows, you know, the ones that I like down in Cornwall. I mean, 
one absolutely horrible journey that I've done was for Ballmasters, where I had to wake up stupidly early hours in the morning, travel seven hours all the way down there, play my set, and seven hours all the way back up in one day. So I've been driving for 14 hours. Oh. Then wake up the next day at 10 o'clock because I was playing bass fest. Um, so, you know, but luckily that was only like a half an hour drive. But yeah, total that weekend, you know, driving about for 14 hours or so, or 16 hours or so, wasn't the best. But like, that's just the actual shows themselves. Like they, they, they definitely pay for it. Oh, they, they balance it out. Yeah, it's worth it. It's it, yeah, I get what you mean. It's yeah, it's worth definitely. it when you've got that big, when you've got that big um payoff at the end. What just out of interest, what are you uh like? Say you're doing a seven hour. I know you might not do it all the time, but like say you are driving around and like you said, you drive yourself to a lot of the events and play the shows and then drive back. What are you listening to a lot of the time in the car? Are you listening to like fellow producers or are you like like UK um, based producers? Are you listening to like your own tunes and your own mixes, thinking that like, I could tweak this here or I could do this or trying to do that, or are you listening to something? absolutely like totally obscure like a different podcast or anything like that absolutely something totally obscure i don't, don't yeah. i don't know if you've heard of the uh i don't know if anyone's heard of the artist k tronada i have um, heard k tronada mate he's a album 99.9 percent was it um, yes that was a penultimate yeah. one the, not the last one i think he released fantastic uh, dj he's also got yeah. quite a famous boiler room set where he's playing in canada yes. Uh, and I think I've he's playing on a tractor. <laughs> tractor is it like a tractor s4 or an s2 that he's playing yeah, on i think yeah very yeah, very and, small yeah, it's quite a sweaty uh, venue, if I remember. And there's like somebody that's obviously off, uh, off the nut a little bit that's dancing around with him to the right, and he's sort of like move back, please. You're yeah. like getting in the way. She, and uh, she sticks yeah. with him the entire set. It's hilarious. Yeah. I, so uh, yeah. yeah. So you're listening to a lot of his stuff, are you? Like normally? Yeah, a lot of that kind of uh, a lot of that kind of vibe. To be fair, the you know the the one ten one hundred BPM like really sort of lo fi left field yeah. sort of a hip hoppy but sort of also like that like a fl- I remember a lot of early, Flume's early stuff as well was sort of similar yeah. sort of vein of that as well uh, before he went slightly more like ADME and stuff like that but uh, yeah okay so there, so you're not like you're not like is it that you don't want to be like oversaturated where you're like I'm at a base event I'm listening to this all the time I want to get other influences or like I want to enjoy other stuff I don't just want to be absorbing that because by the time I've listened to it for eight hours when I get down there I'll be like yeah. oh god Again. Well, yeah, it's, it's it's one of them. So on the way there, I'm sort of like, oh, I'll savor my energy, and then on the way back, I'm like, well, I've run out of energy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's sort of yeah, per- perfect for there and back. To be fair, yeah, that's interesting, mate. I think it's a uh, it's a uh, because you just I think some people would assume that obviously artists or DJs um, would just be listening to the music or just into the music that they uh, that they produce, and it's it's a like I, I myself like have quite a quite a broad uh, music taste in the like I love like punk and metal and like loads like drum and bass and like yeah. grime and like like we listen to disco and northern soul and like loads and loads and loads of stuff across the board but there are some people that you meet that are literally just like no I just like this xyz genre that's all I listen Very, to that's all I consume yeah, yeah. that's it and then you don't really feel like as a producer I feel like not as well I've dabbled in producing but not massively like you might not necessarily be able to like or even as like a fan you might not appreciate that somebody's taken a sample from this or sample this type of music mm-hmm. or sample that or like oh this is an influence like that or oh this is like an audio edit of that or like oh this is a remix or like a, something of that so I think it's I think it is important that that people do have like diverse and broad music tastes and even if you are like producing one show, like like you said UK bass that uh, is sick that you can easily like appreciate and like take like things from other genres and other artists that aren't in that vein or aren't in that sort of like family of music i do genuinely think it is so important 
to you know as a producer be versatile in like loads of different genres like yeah I, you know you don't have to like everything but me personally i can sort of appreciate any single any genre you, you throw at me really you know even if i don't like one song i'll go through the entire sort of catalog not the entire catalog but a few tunes just to sort of grasp it i mean it's sort of uh, quite an evil thing to say from 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 me being an, a UK based producer, but I quite like techno. Yeah, um, no, mate, I love techno. Absolutely love. Yeah, I love it, tech house. I love techno. That sort of. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not. No, mate, I've got um like I, I really really love that industrial sort of Bergine heavy heavy techno. Uh, sort of yeah. like a that like um proper really dark um techno and uh yeah. but then i can also appreciate like tech house like the whole kaluki boys salado lads exactly like max chapman everyone that's sort of like the pauser type stuff everything there screams like stuff as well like i, I think it's important to have a, a diverse and like have an interest and like an active interest and like being able to appreciate and not be like necessarily narrow-minded be like oh fuck off like i'm not listening to this i'll oh, fuck yeah, off like, like yeah, stupid yeah, tech yeah. house or like shuffling or like oh look at these poses or whatever and it's like nah come on like everyone's taking like influences from everyone and um is that would you ever make a techno track uh i have tried it yeah. is incredibly hard like i uh one of my boys is called ben prophet he makes techno and he's he's actually incredible i like, i don't know how he does it like the way he controls this low end is just nuts. And I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> I've tried it and I've sent him it. I'm like, yeah, it's shit, but what'd you think of it? And nah, I've, I've made so, so many different genres and just purely deleted the project. Um, but I mean, to be fair, it's all practice at the end of the day, no matter what you do in, you know, FL Studio or Ableton or whatever, no matter what you do, you can take what you've learned from making mistakes to, you know, whatever project that you want to be the next big thing. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, it's a, yeah, that's a very, very good life advice and very good advice to like producers and artists and DJs out there. If you could give, um, if you could give a piece of advice to yourself, like way back in, so let's say 2015, when you were probably just starting to dabble out with uh, FL Studios and just dabbling with the Deep House and the Techie Housey bits and stuff, you're at your, you're at your night shift, uh, you've just been taken over, you've just downloaded Fruity Loops. And um, if you could give yourself one piece of advice all the way back then, like what's that, six, six years ago now, what would, you, uh, what would you say to yourself? Google baseline. <laughs> I, I honestly, I wish I would have discovered all of this, everything, uh, all the UK based music. I wish I would disco discovered it when I first started because a lot of the, you know, that's when the scene was absolutely popping. It's when it first came, sort of came back um, in quite a lot of years of being in the shadows and everything. I wish I would have, you know, just sort of discovered that straight away and then just you know, ju just jump straight into it. But I mean, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't regret not knowing about it because I learned so much from the future house, deep house, the EDM side, because obviously they're all their productions are, you know, the, the whole purpose of them, they're big productions. Whereas baseline back then was, you know, kick drum wobble. And that's pretty much, you know, how you get by. But like, the fact that I've sort of been able to incorporate that EDME style into bass, like well, UK bass, it's yeah, it's it's. I feel like I've sort of distinguished a, a sound, as what people might say.
Yeah, mate, 100%. Absolutely. Um, and like you said, yeah, even if you could say like, like if you give yourself two words and you were like Google baseline, like back in 2015, like you said, it's uh, what you learned earlier from the earlier production of music. And like you said, you've played festivals now, you're playing events, uh, you've been booked at these big venues and stuff like that. So it's all brought you to a, to where you are now post September 2021, which is a yeah. it's the journey, isn't it? It's the journey. Yeah, exactly. You might have, no you regrets. never know. Like you might have, you might have, you might have been producing like 2015, 2016. Um, might have like made one tune, or like maybe not got booked for Tank at that one point, or like you might have made a tune, fell out of love with it, and never touched it again. And then you're like, yeah. obviously, you just you just never know, do you? You never know what might have happened. Callum, mate, it's been a it's been an absolute pleasure to uh, to chat to you today. Uh, thank you oh. very much, mate, for uh, for jumping on. Uh, I feel like the time's gone really, really quickly. But it's, it really it's been, has, hasn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. No, I appreciate you inviting me. I mean, like I say, I enjoyed the last one. Enjoyed this. Ugh, I'm just buzzing. I'm just buzzing. Listen, mate, I've told you once, I've told you twice. You're not on the list. All right.